So what we're in is we're in a series called More Than a Feeling, and what we've been doing is we've been talking through how to deal with how we feel. And to start off, if y'all remember three weeks ago, I started this series off by talking about being overwhelmed and how we deal with stress. And then the last time I spoke, two weeks ago, I spoke about resentment and jealousy. Some of y'all remember that? And anytime we're jealous of other people or resent other people for what they have and what I don't have and what I think I lack, it only leads to sadness and trouble. That was two weeks ago. And we've been using emojis throughout this uh, series to help with each feeling because we're so used to sending these things in our text. There's nothing worse than getting a text and not really knowing what the person intended. So we send emojis sometimes to express a feeling. And today's emoji is going to be this one right here. Sad emoji here. And I'm going to use this to describe the regret. The regret that we feel in life. And I want to build on what Dr. Earl Nichols spoke on last Sunday. And let me just say, It was so awesome having Dr. Earl Nichols with us last week. And I want you to know how awesome it is that we are partnered with the Pastoral Institute. So if you're struggling right now, and this feeling describes you, and you've been dealing with resentment or just any type of depression or anything going on in your life, um, if you need help, I want you to know, man, we have a great opportunity with the Pastoral Institute to provide the care that we need. So come talk to me after church and I'll share more information on that. But what a great message Dr. Earl preached last Sunday. He spoke on Noah and the shame, the shame that Noah felt when he was found by his son drunk and unclothed. And even though that's, some of us aren't really familiar with that story, it's kind of sandwiched in in Genesis and it's one of those that, you know, they don't really teach you about Noah being drunk and naked in Sunday school growing up, right? So, That's one of those stories you don't really hear about, but it's in there. And you're like, wow, this is actually in the Bible. This kind of stuff happens to these biblical characters, right? And and so he kind of unpacked that. And even though Noah felt shame for what he was doing, Dr. Nichols reminded us that God still loved him. And that when God saw Noah, he looked at Noah through the rainbow. And if you don't know what that means, watch last week's message. And you'll find out. You'll be glad that you did. But last week, Dr. Nichols focused on the feelings of shame, how God loves you no matter what. And I'm going to pick up on that. I'm going to kind of run with that. I want to talk about the regret we feel and the guilt that we sometimes tend to carry around with us. So uh, before we get into the feelings of regret, this is kind of a heavier topic. Um, Let's start off with a little fun. And let me ask you this. How many of you have ever played putt-putt before? Let me see. Raise your hands if you played putt-putt. Okay, should be pretty much everyone in here. Okay, let me ask you this. Size up the person sitting next to you. Go ahead, look at them sitting next to you. Look them over. And I want to see who in here thinks you can beat the person next to you in putt-putt. Let me see. Raise of hands. Oh, okay, all right. I got some couples who both are. It's on after church. We're all going to Hollywood Connection, okay? All playing putt-putt. Um, for me, there was a couple of ways I grew up playing putt-putt. And I'll share this with you. For, for the really, really extreme competitors, there's something that we call man-putt. I was introduced to this when I was uh, in college ministry, and, and Jeremy's in here this morning, he remembers this. But this is where, when you play putt-putt with a group, you play it wherever it is, and you can never pick up the ball, okay? So this means if you hit it in a wazard hazard, you better, you know, hike up your pants, you better get in there, you got to play it out, right? Or if you hit it three holes over, you got to ask that other person, you know, can, it, can I play through, like, can I get 
back, and you can have a score of like 100 if you're not careful. Um, and then there's another way. Uh, this is, uh, the, the, for the middle of the road players, there's this play to seven. And this is basically what I play with the girls uh, when I'm playing. It's just basically you pick up the ball on the seventh hit, right? It, it just keeps things from getting too out of control. And then for the easy players, there's mulligan, putt-putt. And that's where when the kids are little, you just pick it up, right? You just pick it up, put it, or, or you do. How many of y'all do the foot thing? You know, just kick it. Just kick it wherever you need it. And I, I'd rather it be over here. Nobody saw that, right? So you just kick it with your foot. Now, for the non-golfers that are out there, what's a mulligan? A mulligan is when it doesn't count, okay? It's a freebie. It's a, it's a do-over. Basically, a mulligan is like a grace note, okay? It's, for us this morning, we'll use it as a type of forgiveness, so with that being said, and thinking about the concept of a mulligan, wouldn't it be great if we could apply mulligans to life? Right? For instance, you make a mistake. You leave here today. You pick up too much speed on J.R. Allen. The cop pulls you over, and when he does, you roll down the window, and you look at him, and you say, mulligan? <laughs> right? You get audited by the IRS, and you show up for your appointment, and on the door, it says, mulligan day. Wouldn't that be great? Right? Or you say the wrong thing. This happens to me all the time. You say the wrong thing to the wrong person, or you say the wrong thing to your spouse, and then she looks at you, and then she's a little upset, and then her face starts to soften, and then she's like, I'm going to let you have a mulligan. That would be nice, right? But life isn't always that easy. It's not that easy. You don't always get a mulligan. You, you don't always get a do-over. Instead, what do you get when you mess up? You get a whole lot of guilt, Right? And that guilt, sometimes, it turns into regret. And that regret, man, it starts to eat at our insides and it handicaps us. And we walk through life kind of paralyzed with what we did or what we said or what we should have done. And we get our heads down and we're thinking, coulda, shoulda, woulda. I wish I could take it back. I wish I could have a do-over, but I feel like I can't. So, so let me ask you this question. As we dive into this subject today, how, how many of you would say that that feeling, uh, that those feelings of regret, just kind of this feeling of just being kind of down because of something that you can't have over or do over, has just left you feeling terrible? I think that we would all say that we struggle with this at times. Some of us are struggling with this right now. Some of us have struggled with within the last year or something. I think it's safe to say that we've all felt this way. As the great theologian Zach Brown would say, we're all in the same boat. Okay. So let me give you, starting off, I want this to be a good exercise for us to do. So let me give you eight categories here. Let me throw these up here on the screen. Eight categories of regret and see if this rings true for anyone in here, okay? Number one is education. You know, a lot of people regret education, maybe you didn't go to college, or, you know, the education you didn't get, or you're in a job where you could have used more education, but you didn't finish with it, but the idea of going back to school now, it's just, oh, it's just not as easy as it was back then, or how about this category, your career? You regret the career you chose? Man, I hear this all the time. Many people regret their job, they're just unhappy, or they regret the fact that they were passed over for a promotion, or a risk. You regret risks, the risk that you never took. Or you look back and you, and you realize there was a risk, but you, you know, oh, I could have done it and I didn't take it. Or, you know, maybe, maybe I took a risk and I shouldn't have, but now the opportunity has passed. Even if I wanted to do it, I can't. Words, words that are spoken that you just can't take 
back. The things you said that you wish you hadn't said, or, or those times in life when you should have said something, but you didn't, and you regret it. This is, this is the one area, ooh, I struggle with so much, or the words that I say I'm constantly talking and wish I hadn't said those things. How about parenting? You regret spoiling your kids. You regret punishing your kids. You regret not spending enough time with your kids. Oh my goodness, we beat ourselves up so much. How about faith? We regret not taking the time to pray or to to learn how to pray or to read our Bible or to share Jesus with somebody and we feel that regret because we didn't do what we felt like we should have done. Or, or when it comes to money, money is another good one, right? We, we regret going into debt, or we regret that we didn't start saving earlier. We regret that we didn't, you know, buy Google 20 years ago, you know, those types of things. Or relationships, you regret that your marriage didn't work. Some of us are living in regret right now because our marriage is not where we think it should be. Some of us regret being in a relationship that we should have never been in in the first place. There are so many, this isn't all of the categories, but there are so many different areas. And if I asked you to to focus on the feelings that were associated with the regret that you feel from one of these areas, you'd probably say something like, I'm embarrassed, or, you know, I've got a lot of grief, or anger, or remorse, or, or hurt. And these feelings, they just eat away at us. And as you look over these regrets that we carry, some of the regrets we have, you know, honestly, some of them, they're just minor flesh wounds, not a, not a big deal. But then a lot of them, a lot of them have left major scars in our life that it's just taken a long time and it's hard and we just wonder if it's ever going to heal or not. So, so here's what I'd like to do, okay? I want to leave this up here for just a minute. I want you to look at these categories Because I want you to kind of really experience today's message, okay? And I want you to look over these categories, and I want you to pick two areas. Two areas where you might hold some regret. And think about why you feel that way about that area. And don't be superficial about this. I mean, don't look at money and say, I really regret bouncing that check back in 1989. Nothing like that. Like, really think about these things. And let's talk about that this morning and why you feel the way you do and why you're still carrying that. And I'm not asking you to do anything that I wouldn't do. If I had to pick two areas, I would say education would be one. Not that um, I regret uh, going to UGA, go dogs, or uh, Asbury Seminary. What I do regret is that when I went, I tried to get through so quickly. You know, I was in my mid-20s when I went to seminary, and, you know, my main goal was to go up there and to, to get it done pretty much and then come back down to Georgia, and so I packed it all in. In fact, I remember I had to ask the dean if I could have permission to take extra classes on top of extra classes so that I could graduate early. And now, you know, looking back on that, you know, maybe I should have taken more time. You know, I would have liked to have had a, a, a better experience, really been able to dive in a little deeper. Another one is parenting. I would look back, and and I've shared my story with y'all about how, and I should share it again because it's been a little while, about how overworked I was when I was young and in ministry, and I had to have everybody like me. So my first priority, and I would be honest about this, my first priority was the church, and I put it above everything, and I put everybody else above my family. And because of that, there was a lot of tension building up between Shannon and myself early on, and I regret the fact that I missed Savannah's first two birthdays and those other things, you know. 
So the reason I'm telling you this is just because I want you to identify those areas maybe that you struggle with. Because if you don't do this, you may walk out of here this morning and you might just say, well, that was a good, that was a good message, preacher man. You know, but, but you might not really apply it. So the first step really is to identify what it is that we're holding on to. And as you identify those areas and you really look at these feelings, I think what you'll begin to notice is that our regret really kind of falls into three categories. Okay, there's three categories. One is sin. Most of our regrets involve a sin. And that's kind of obvious, right? Something we've done that was disobedient, something we know we shouldn't have done, but we did it anyway. Another is loss. There's also a regret that doesn't come from sin, but it comes from loss. In a sense, we feel like we lost something and we regret that we don't have it or I gave this up or I just kind of let it go. And then the third category is pain. It's the regret we feel from the pain that we've caused to others or or the pain that's been caused to us by others. You know, we might regret a, a past relationship and the hurt that it caused us. And that's true for me too. If I were to talk about those categories, for me, education, I feel like I kind of lost something in the middle of that and I regret that. And for my family early on, you know, I I feel the pain that was associated for what I put them through by not putting my family and their needs first. But before we get too negative, let me share some good news with you. Let me share some hope about regrets few things you got to know about this feeling is that one, and if you got the message notes open, um, I think these are fill in the blank, and if you, if you grab some sheets, you might want to write these down. Number one, regrets are inevitable. I want you to know that, okay? Regrets are inevitable. It's going to happen in life because we're messy people. We've all done things that we wish that we could take back. We've all made the wrong choices in life. If we made a prerequisite of you can't come to the ridge unless you're perfect, this place would be empty and I'd be the only one here. <laughs> anyway, just play. <laughs> just play. Everybody messes up. We, we do. Every day, every week, every year, regrets are inevitable. It's going to happen. But what I want you to know, number two, is that regrets are forgivable. All sin is forgivable. If there's one message that everybody needs to understand, if there's one message we want to preach here at the Ridge, is that you can be saved through Jesus Christ. Your sin can be forgiven no matter who you are. Everyone has a need to be forgiven. So once you understand that regrets are inevitable, regrets are forgivable, then I want you to also know that regrets are redeemable. If we let ourselves be overwhelmed with regret, what we'll do is we'll just live in a prison for the rest of our life. And the only way to break free from that prison and to get rid of that guilt that we carry is to hand it over to God and say, God, would you turn my pain into some kind of gain? Okay? And this is what God is so good at. God never wastes a hurt. And this is what we talked about a couple of, of weeks ago when, when I brought up Romans 8.28. One of my favorite verses, you know, is, is that God can work good in every situation and for every person. So when you look back over those categories, let me th- throw those categories back up. I think I put that next. When you look back over those categories of what maybe you're holding on to that you regret, and maybe your category isn't even up here. You got something else. Whatever you're holding on to, do you believe that it's not only forgivable, but it's redeemable?
You see, the good news is that God wants to do this for you. He wants you to move forward in his grace. And you know what? God understands the feelings that we have when it comes to this. The Bible is full of stories of people who dealt with regret and the guilt that they felt from what they've done or said. So what I want to do this morning is I want to spend the rest of our time talking about how to move past our past, okay? And if you're not dealing with any kind of feelings of regret this morning, chances are you will, so you may want to write these down. Like I said, it's inevitable, right? So let me share these with you. You can use these in the future if you don't uh, feel like you need it right now. But getting past your past, here's the first thing. I want you to be able to start over. We, we got to start, I want you to understand that you can start over. Let's go back to the idea that most of our regrets are there because of sin. Again, regrets are inevitable, but God's forgiveness is available. And this may surprise you, but God doesn't want you walking around with that burden all the time. In fact, God loves allowing people to start over. He's in the business of giving grace and and, and giving people a new life and a new chance and a new opportunity. He loves handing out mulligans to people who blew up their last shot. So if you ask God for forgiveness, if you've got something that you're still holding on to and you bring it to God and you're just like, I'm tired of dealing with this guilt and I've got so much regret and you hand that over to God and yet you still carry it, that's not from God. That regret that you still hold on to in life, that's from Satan. And the reason I say that is because he wants nothing more than for you to hold on to that. He wants you to keep lugging it around because he knows that if you do, it's only going to hold you back from what God has in store for your future. Let me give you two images, two great images that come from the 103rd Psalm, okay? It's one of my favorite verses dealing with this idea of starting over in sin. Uh, here, here's the first one, the, this first part of it. It says, he has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. What? And just stop right there. What an amazing picture this paints for us. And the reason is because the east never meets the west, right? So in essence, it's like God is removing our sin forever. It can't be found. It's an amazing picture of how God just gets rid of the sin in our lives. And that type of forgiveness, again, that type of forgiveness is available to anyone who calls out to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who believes that God the Father sent his son Jesus to die for your sin. And when you believe that, you accept Jesus into your heart and into your life, then you are brought into the family of God, which brings me to the next image that I love in this verse. It says, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. You know, one of my favorite parts of being a dad when the girls were little was that time of nightly prayers when we would meet and we would, we would all kneel beside the bed and you probably got your routine, we had our routine. We'd always, um, we, we'd always thank God for whatever we're thankful for, number one, and then we'd ask God for whatever we need. And then the third thing is that we would end in the Lord's Prayer together. And it was just such a wonderful time. Just remember sitting at the foot of the bed, just talking, laughing. Some of the best conversations happened. But that's kind of like how I view my heavenly father. Not just a religion. Not just that he's somewhere out there, but this real relationship, right? 
where he has forgiven me, where he loves me, where he sits with me, where he wants to spend time with me. We serve a heavenly father who loves his children so much, again, that he sent his son Jesus to die so that we could have that sin forgiven and we would have the chance to start over. So when it comes to that regret that you're feeling, please know, please understand that you can start over, that he wants to take that sin and get rid of it as far as the east is from the west. And then number two, number two, I want you to look ahead and consider what's most important. Look ahead and consider what's most important in life. Here's a good exercise, okay? When you have the chance to start over, okay, in that main area, whatever that category is in your life, and let go of that guilt. Look at the end of your life and think about what type of person do I want to become, right? What would it be like for me not to be held down by that regret anymore, not to be held down by those mistakes, Because I can't think of anything worse than getting to the end of my life and looking back and having a whole lot of regrets, a whole lot of coulda, shoulda, wouldas. And you know, when we think about the future, when we look ahead, this isn't just some kind of pop psychology. This is like real theology. This is what Jesus would do with people. He would look at people and he would ask them the question. He's like, when it, you know, he, he dealt with people with problems all the time, regret, guilt, uh, pain, and sin. And he would look at them and he'd say, do you want this or this? Do you want this or do you want that? The woman at the well, do, do, do you want water that will fill or quench your thirst now? Or do you want living water that will provide for eternity? Jesus was trying to get her to look ahead, not just right now, but look into the future, look ahead. What do you really want? What does God want for you? Paul would do this. Paul would do this in his letters. He would write to the churches, and he would say in his letters, so oftentimes he would say, I have a prayer that you would. And then he would start laying out the future for that church, you know, letting go of all the problems. And there was a lot of problems in the churches that he would write to. And he would say, you know what? Here's my prayer for you if you would let go of that. Regret. And that past that's holding you down, this is what I would like to see. This is the future I think God has for you. You know, maybe be willing to do that. You know, life is too short not to think about the future. Here's a good verse from Psalm 39.4. It says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. And remind me that my days are numbered. And how fleeting my life really is. You know, life is short i got to be willing to let go of that past guilt, that regret. And i gotta, I got to look forward, look ahead to what God wants to bring. You know, bring in my life. Um, I'm reminded of the story, and I've shared this before, about a professor. A professor who was talking to his class, he was talking about priorities in life. And he brought up this jar, and he sat it down in front of the class, and it was filled with a bunch of rocks. And he asked the students, he says, is it full? And the rocks were all the way up to the top, so the students all nodded their heads. Yes, it's full. And then he, he, he brought out some pebbles, and he poured it in there, and all those pebbles just kind of filled those rocks and filled those spaces all the way up to the top. And then he asked them, he says, now is it full? And they all said, well, yeah, it looks full. And then he brought some sand. And and he poured it in, and the sand just kind of filled every little nook and cranny all the way up to the top. And then he asked the students, he said, what do you think, now is it full? And they said, yeah, it's full. And then he brought some water, and he pulled the water into it. And the water just slowly began to saturate everything all the way up to the top. And then he looked at his students, and he says, well, what do you think the point is here when it comes to priorities? And somebody raised their hand, and they said, you can always add more to life. (laughs) And he said, no, that's not it. 
He said, the point is, you got to start with the big rocks. Otherwise, it doesn't fit. So when you're looking into the future, what are the big things that God wants to be the most important in your life? Because let me tell you, carrying around that regret, carrying around that guilt, it only takes up space. So maybe define what you want those big rocks to be. Focus on those priorities. Pray and ask God, God, what do you want in that area of my life where I'm feeling this and where I'm dealing with this and I just can't seem to let go? God, would you take rid of that and then show me what my priority needs to be in that area? And then when God does, point number three is that I gotta make a few adjustments. And this is so simple, y'all. This is so simple. Getting past the past means I've been forgiven. I'm looking ahead. I know what I want in that area of my life and I've gotta make adjustments to get there. I gotta make steps towards that area. What adjustments can I make to make sure that that priority becomes a reality? And yet we don't do this. We're not always good at adjusting. Why, why not? I think it's because we, we're so apathetic sometimes in life. People just have a way sometimes of putting things off. It's like we say, I know what needs to be done. And then we look at our life and we're like, I know I need to do this. But you know what? I'll do it tomorrow. Or I'll do it the next day. Some of us just need to admit that we're just giving excuses why we can't won't focus on those big things. In fact, there's this great Proverbs. In Proverbs 22, 13, it says this. That the, the, he says, there's a lion out there. If I go outside, I might be killed. And, and this, this proverb is just meant to be kind of humorous. And what, what this verse is getting at is that basically I will use any excuse not to do or go outside and do what I know needs to be done. I can't go outside, I might get killed by a lion. I can't go outside, I can't do this, I might get run over or something like that. So I might as well just stay inside and not do anything. Let's put this in terms that we understand. Here's a typical excuse we give. When things slow down, then I'll. When the business takes off, then we'll. When the kids, when the kids finally move out of the house, glory, hallelujah, then maybe we'll. And we just put it off. And we're not willing to make the adjustments. So maybe when it comes sometimes to letting go of that regret and aiming for those big rocks, Quit making excuses. Take some responsibilities. Stop saying I will and start saying I am. Start saying, like, I know my regret comes in my family, so you know what? I am going to be the husband my wife needs me to be. I know that I feel a lot of regret when it comes to parenting, so you know what? Instead of saying I will become a better parent, no, 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 say I am. I am going to be a better parent. I'm going to make the adjustments today. When it comes to my faith and my relationship with Jesus, I keep putting this off and I keep having excuses why I can't be in church and why I can't read my Bible and why I can't pray. And instead of saying I will, I'm going to say I am because it's important to me now. And I realize that these are foundational priorities that need to be invested in, so I am. I'm going to make this a big rock. And I'm going to put this in first. And I'm going to let go of that regret. And I'm going to make those changes. And then the last thing is to move forward. Just simply move forward. If, if you know what the big rocks are going to be in that area, and we've really kind of stopped, and we've thought about those mid-course adjustments that need to be made, then you know what? It's time. 
Today is as good of a day as any to start moving forward in the grace of God. And you know what? You're going to move forward trusting God and not trusting what the world has to say. And the reason I say that is because, honestly, a lot of times, God's way forward is a lot different than what the world says. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus lays this out, and he says, you know, most of the world that travels on this wide road, and everybody finds it, but God's way, God's way is different, and it's narrow. And Jesus actually says very few are willing to find it, and that's the road that we take to be able to move forward. Let, let, let me give you a few examples of what I'm getting at. Maybe you feel like an adjustment that needs to be made is taking a risk. And the world might try to look at you and tell you it can't be done. Why even try? When we started this church, I can't tell you how many people told me this wouldn't happen. Don't even try. There's too many Methodist churches as it is. Why are you trying this? But you know what? It's a big rock priority. I'm going to get on God's road because the Bible says that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? I know God's plan for me, and I'm going to move forward. When it comes to making a change and moving forward in relationships, the world might tell you, you know what, when it comes to that relationships and after what they did and the pain that they caused you or the regret that you feel because of the pain that you caused somebody else, the world would tell you it's all over. Nobody can love you after that. But God's road's different, and Scripture teaches us that we can still love others because God loved us first. We know what love is because God loves me. The love of God is different than how the world defines love. When it comes to our selfishness and the harm that has caused in the past, the world would teach us to say me first when it comes to those priorities and moving ahead, and you go get what's yours because you deserve it. But Scripture teaches us to put others first. You first. That the least will become the greatest, right? Can't really go wrong with that type of attitude. So, we take a step towards those big rock goals, learning to trust God's way for us. Uh, Proverbs, another Proverbs, share with you. Chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. And everybody knows this one. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding what this world teaches us. It's not always right. But you seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you which path to take. So we're going to trust God in moving forward. So you know what? To close us out, I don't want you to keep doing whatever it is that you're doing and just holding on to those regrets. Because when you hold on to those regrets, you're just allowing Satan to just pound you each and every day. It's just one of the ways that he keeps us down. And honestly, it's not a weight that you were intended to carry. But if you're tired of that regret that you have shoved into your life, that's just taken up space, Maybe today is a good day to realize, you know what, I've been forgiven. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to give it over to God. And when you do, you realize, you know what, I can start over. I can be forgiven. And with God's help, I'm going to let go of that regret. And I'm going to look ahead. I'm going to find out in that area of my life, or just life in general, what's the most important thing for me when it comes to that area? What are those big rocks going to be? And then whatever God is telling me, then I'm willing to make an adjustment, God. Whatever you want me to do, no more excuses. And then I'm going to move forward trusting 
God's way for me is the best way. I'm going to let go of that feeling of regret and I'm going to exchange it for the freedom and the purpose that can only be found through Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God, would you just help us release that regret, that pain that Satan is using to drag us down? God, would you help us this morning maybe just leave it here? Just leave it here. God, we thank you for the forgiveness that comes through your son. Help us to not only receive your grace, but God, help us to also give your grace to others. And God, give us the strength to realize what's most important to you. God, what's important in that category, that area of life where we feel like we've just blown it? God, well, what do you want for us? God, just speak to us. And then help us get on board with whatever you want and and how you want us to move forward into your future. God, we realize this morning that every regret we have is forgivable and it's redeemable. And Jesus, we don't want to live with it anymore. And we certainly don't want to have more of it at the end of our lives. So Jesus, today, right now, We lay it at your feet. We give ourselves to you. And we're going to trust, God, that your way for us is perfect. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.